Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to RSG, uh, uh, One Mic. And uh, before we get into the show, this is your man, D. Wills. Uh, I want to uh, just wrap up. We had a great on the road at the Maui Invitational, our second year out there. I just want to thank uh, uh, Bowman Medical Group, uh, as well as Aston um, at Mahana, um, Aston Mahana at uh, uh, Kahana Pali, um, for, for being there and supporting us again this year. Um, it's been an incredible run uh, for us uh, Incredible games out there. Uh, we have a lot of footage on um, what we did out in Maui. Uh, if you go to realsportsguys.com or uh, Real Sports Guys on all our uh, social media platforms, uh, you can catch a number of that t- uh, content. It was an incredible experience. Uh, we got to see some of what I think might be, uh, as we did last year, some teams that we'll definitely see uh, in a tournament and make runs in the tournament. Um, some great highlights. And some of those teams will come up in our conversation uh, tonight as we go through our topics. Um, but we couldn't do it without, you know, um, the support from our sponsors who are incredible uh, uh, out there. Uh, and uh, my guy, Brian Cox, uh, hosts us, provides us with great facility. Uh, you'll see that in some of our um, uh, material when we do our productions, when we did it on site uh, uh, at, the, at, the, at the hotel uh, with views uh, that were incredible. Um, and that's actually, uh, we had a great conversation with Dr. Uh, 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 Philip Bowman, about the state of college sports, which is part of a series that we'll be running over the next couple of months as, uh, as a number of these issues that are happening uh, in college sports right now, it's, it's, uh, it's in this major transition. Uh, um, uh, the commissioner Delaney, who's retiring from the Big Ten, uh, mentioned recently on Coach K's show uh, uh, podcast um, that we're, we're in the middle of a, a major transition in college athletics. Um, in some ways he was saying it's much needed, but um, you know, there's a number of issues that uh, we need to explore as we're looking at that. And so uh, Dr. Bowman provided us with some insight on just also thinking about some of the psychological uh, impacts and effects that happen with um, these young people as they're taking on these demands at this point in their lives. That we got to remember many of these kids are making some major decisions um, at ages where they're transitioning from late adolescence to, to adulthood. And so he offered that perspective that we normally get uh, when we have these conversations. So uh, please check that out. That was our first uh, installment of uh, uh, State of College uh, Athletics, style sports uh, that we want to share uh, with you guys. Uh, but hey, you know, we're here with this show tonight. And as I like we call it, this podcast, it's tis the season. Uh, because uh, this, this is an interesting time of year in college sports where a lot of things are happening. And uh, this episode, we're going to touch on a lot of it. But uh, I have uh, an incredible group of, 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 of co-hosts who are going to be here with me tonight, and we got to bring them in and introduce them before we get into the podcast. So let me start. Let me start with my man, uh, Carl Hampton, Carl B. Hampton from Southside. Uh, Carl represented us over there uh, at Camp Randall for that Purdue game. Carl has been a regular contributor. Yes, sir. Tonight, 
Uh, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm blessed. I'm blessed in Janesville right now uh, on a work trip, but on a downtime, I'm with RSG all day and D Wills and uh, Hank and Darnell, and we have a good time and rap and uh, look forward to the conversation. It's a great topic tonight. Well, I, and I want to hit you real quick before I go to the other two. You know, you you uh, 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 were there to cover and saw the Badgers against Purdue, and then, you know, they went on the road and beat Minnesota. Now they're in a championship game against Ohio State. You know, the Badgers have kind of had a weird season, but was there anything in that Purdue game you saw that led to you believe that, you know, that they would have that kind of – they had a, a pretty good showing against Minnesota, up in Minnesota, against a really good, formidable team. Yeah, I think that uh, Cone is playing better as far as it goes. He's showing uh, just uh, reading the pocket better, reading the defenses better. And uh, but I'm, I'm concerned about Taylor though. He's still he's fumbling. He fumbled uh, yeah. Minnesota. He fumbled uh, Purdue. So the defense seems to be more livelier. But you know, Cone showed me some more leadership because I'll be candid with you. I wanted them to go all in with Mertz and uh, yeah. burn his redshirt year, especially considering the fact that. Well, I see about um, – I don't think anybody behind JT is going to bring it next year. So, unless they got somebody on the rise and another freshman comes out of woodwork like, like JT did. So, uh, why not now? But Cone showed me something. But, you know, let's be real. Unless uh, Jason Fields uh, doesn't, feels, um, uh, doesn't play in the, um, in, the, in the championship game, I think the Badgers are in deep trouble. But, you know, it, it's encouraging, though. I mean, uh, I thought it would be a much closer game in uh, Minneapolis. It wasn't. It was a blowout. Uh, all day and um, surprising, but JT's well, got to do a lot better, man. Yeah, and I, that's, that's, been, that's, that's been something that's been under the uh, radar a little bit uh, this year that, um, you know, uh, that started last year, his fumbling. I mean, it was – Started his freshman year. He's, he's fumbled all. I mean, he really yeah. didn't he, – he, I mean, I thought he was over his fumbles starting yeah. this year until yeah. Illinois game. He fumbled yeah. the ball. I was in my yeah. car driving. Yeah. And sadly, I, I was listening to Badger telecast, and I had to hear the Illinois people hoop and holler and clown. And yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's his problem. He's gonna go pro, but he's gonna lose a lot of money bumping the ball. Yeah, he's got <laughs> security. He's big time in the pros, so he's got to be able to do that. All right, I got my man, uh, uh, the, uh, the the youngin down here. What's up, man? Darnell, there. You 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 been hitting me up on text. Uh, I saw your Sparty. Uh, take that loss, that L out there, uh, and Mommy Invitational. But I had a great conversation with uh, Izzo, who I've grown to like. You spend time around him. Um, you understand why players like him. Um, he was great in the press conference. Um, uh, we have a really good clip of him, um, you know, after they bounced back and uh, got that victory after that loss. Just in, in the way he talked about how difficult it has been to really try to support Cassius through all this. And all that whole time I thought about the youngin. Young and out there wearing he wearing a red the red wing jersey, but he wearing them green draws over there. <laughs> <laughs> so what's up? This place support. <laughs> what's up, young? Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Um, man, this is probably one of the most exciting times of the year to be a sports fan because you have um conference championship week. You have um LSU. You have Georgia. You have Ohio State versus Wisconsin. You have um, Oregon and um, and Utah. You have Anthony Joshua versus Ruiz. Oh Next week, you got, 
Jamel Charlo versus Tony Harrison, you already know they talking they talking trash already. The week after that, you have um who? No, the twenty eighth you have um Javante Davis. He's fighting um he's fighting. And next next week you have um Terrence Crawford versus his mandatory, which has not been talked about at all. No press, no promotion, no anything. I don't know what Bob's doing right now, but you know what? It's it's it. I, I'm gonna stay on the positive side. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I know you've been you've been you've been you've been you've been known to troll some folks in boxing. So we don't. Hey, I keep it real. I keep it real. on. But we appreciate that as as we get into the boxing moment, which is a great podcast. We'll be it's not trolling if it's true. Here, we'll be dropping the one here after this one that we'll hit uh, out there. And then now we got the man in the paint, Mister Double Double. It, it, you know, uh, happy on one side, sad on the other, because Michigan took that drastic up in there uh, and uh, <laughs> in a way that wearing, the, wearing wearing my black hat of mourning is what I'm doing right here. <laughs> So y'all can see this. This, 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 this is this, this is my Black Michigan Memorial hat right here. You see, this is, this is what happens when you're in mourning. When when you when you when you again take another drastic one, you know. Hey, Davis is in the building, y'all. Yeah, I hear it. I, I, look here. I want to. I want to take this opportunity. I hope everybody ate real good last week. I hope y'all got y'all stomachs full. I hope y'all loaded up on sweet potato pie. Says sweet potato pie, not pumpkin pie. Y'all know that's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Bring it down. Okay. Bring it down. Okay. If you don't know how to make one, then Patty LaBelle got one. Got them at Walmart. Go get you some. It tastes just the scrum. And they good. And they good. And they good. Well, look here. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it. And you got to go no frills for some of them. But I got to. I got to um, disagree a little bit with the youngin, because he said this is a great time to be a sports fan, unless, of course, unless, of course, unless, of course, you live in Southeast Michigan, which we are in the black hole of sports, okay, where we've got the dead wings, we've got the pissed owns, okay, we've got the lie downs, all at the same time trying to, trying to call themselves professional sports franchises. The one thing that I will say is I found me a shiny penny. I found me a shiny penny. I'm so happy I found that shiny penny. You know what that shiny penny was? I want to tell you what that shiny penny was. I found out that this year in Ann Arbor that we have got a basketball team. That the Battle of Atlantis, while you was in Maui, uh, D, and over here in the Bahamas, in the, Atlanta, in the Battle of Atlantis, we found out that Juwan Howard uh, legend has started. As the University of Michigan, while they took a, took a beat down against Louisville there, they took out two top teams. They got teams. smoke. They got smoke. <laughs> again. They want to smoke, got smoke. Again, again. <laughs> we wear the black memorial hat. But we found out we got a team that right now in December, we've got something to at least look at. And maybe, just maybe, I could take this off and put the amazing blue one back on. <laughs> there we go, boy. Yeah, hey, black. I got black Wisconsin hat, bro. So I know you. I got black Wisconsin hat. Oh my hey, if you look here, look. You you, you got to get you a memorial hat, okay? Yeah. This, 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 you got to hey, get a memorial hat. Also, the championship game did, it didn't even happen yet. You ain't. No, I'm talking about I'm talking about the basketball team, bro. I'm talking about the basketball team, bro. The basketball. You saw the basketball oh. thing? You saw a basketball game last night? No. Oh, my God. Man, bro. I want to let y'all know something. I'm bro. wearing this hat too much. I'm starting to get sweat and stuff around here. I'm wearing this hat way too many times. <laughs> I don't wear mine that much. Yeah, I don't wear mine that much. 
Might have to wear a lot for the basketball season, though. Basketball season four and four ain't cutting it, bro. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 we, we got a little bit to talk about that. Yeah, this is this, this, that, that's a good topic for another day. How's, how, which programs have fallen from the grace? It, the Badgers are, are struggling in ways we haven't seen in a long time, but we'll get, we'll get that in one time. All right, we're gonna go into the open mic session right now, and uh, we're gonna start with college football. And I love this one. I, and, and Hammer gave us a couple of topics because everybody kind of contributes, but you know, Hammer came good in. And, and drop some things. And I think this is a great one. Is Dabble Sweeney's act getting tired? I think that's a great question. Because if you listen to Dabble, man, you think he, you think he, he dying. He thinking that he got nothing. You thinking that he's still living with his mama in his dorm room. Like it's, it's, it's you, you, you listen to him enough. You want to send a check to him because you think he needs a donation. Now, for those who didn't know, you know, Paul Feinbaum, who got tired of this act, you know, said some things about this and was critical while, you know, talking about while Dabble's complaining about everything, you know, when at the end of the day, he going to be in the championship, he going to be there, he going to make a run, he going to be able to prove things on the field, you know, what is he mad about? You know, Hammer, I'll give you the first dibs at this since you put this topic out there. Mm -hmm. uh, is this act getting tired? What, what, what do we make? It's getting tired because uh, what about the non-conference? That's a problem. They only played uh, A&M and um, who else in South Carolina? I mean, what do they play before? So, I mean, the non-conference is raggedy. And then they, they almost got beat by North Carolina. And then they dropped. They deserve to drop. That's, that game was terrible. So, I mean, Dabo, I think, I don't know uh, what your intel says, but, I mean, if, I'm, if, if Saban retires tomorrow, they better go get him. And uh, in Clemson, but the bottom line is that get a better non-conference schedule. I mean, you got USC who kept their raggedy coach uh, Helton, and who they playing next year? Roll Tide. So they're not they're not playing. I mean, they're gonna go and play some great competition. But Clemson, if they want to continue playing, you know, these Mickey Mouse's of the world, and then play the ACC, which is uh, you know basically Division Two uh, football, then yeah, uh, you gonna never get any respect. So don't don't complain to me. When you were scheduling, you know, uh, AM who's on his uh, bad days and all these other teams, and you got the raggedy ACC, and you want respect, and, and you almost got beat by Mac Brown, North Carolina. Come on, man. And, and I would say the, the North Carolina thing, everybody expected AM to be a little bit better, uh, uh, South Carolina to be a little bit better, and they were. And Miami should have been better, and Miami. So, he, he, this is schedule he was dealt, but I, I think Hammer, you broke it out. It's the reality of the schedule, but they still, he's still never going to drop out of the top four with that schedule because with the eye test, they still are a great team. You know, it's it's kind of like those years when you know you had teams like when Memphis was great in basketball. You know, not a great time, but you knew they were great when UNLV was great in basketball. The conference was all right, but you everybody knew UNLV was the best team in the country, even though the the competition wasn't the same as playing in the Big East or whatever. So. I think you're right. Next year, I think they play Georgia. You know, he'll have a chance to prove it. I think they play Georgia next year. You know, and so he'll have a chance to, to, to prove the out of conference. But I think you – all the stuff he never – nobody ever thought he was going to jump drop out of top four. He wasn't number one, but he was never not going to be there. So I think you make great points. Hammer, uh, Hank, Hank, what, what's your, your feeling on Dabo? Okay, I got to take a little in, bit in of his riches. In his riches. Okay, let me, let me, let me take a different approach. I, I think what Dabo is doing here – as I, as I listen to him, he's posturing for Clemson. 
Okay, for a couple of reasons. For a couple of reasons. I want you to think about this a minute. You hit the point now, that I was going to hit. Go ahead. Now, we talk about their schedule. Okay, so they, they didn't play nobody. Okay, but they did schedule two SEC teams in South Carolina and in, in Texas A&M. Like you said, we thought Texas A&M was going to be a little bit better. But, but they did schedule two uh, non-conference. And then South Carolina game is supposed to be a rivalry, okay? That used to be one of those rivalries in, in South Carolina, Clemson-South Carolina game. That's two things. The other thing is, you know, it seems like because the, the ACC is not the, the conference that we thought it was going to be, it's almost as if as though there is no wiggle room for Clemson. They have no wiggle room at all. And it's, and it's like the minute they lose, they have no chance, even though they've been to the championship game now the last three, four years, okay? And they've won two of those, okay? They're the defending champs, okay? And, 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 and for the last time I checked, they still look very strong. And, and, like I said, and, uh, and ATN is a player nobody's talking about. I talk about that, he's a great player. So, yeah. He's a great player. Player. Nobody, but nobody's talking about him when we talk about some of the great running backs in, the, uh, in, in, in college football. Okay, he's like third behind Taylor or Dobbins or someone like that. Okay, then, then it's Travis Etienne. The other piece, though, that I think why, why Dabo is making so much noise is because of the Alabama bias. Okay, now, I don't, if, if you watch the LSU-Alabama yeah, game, yes. if you watch the Alabama, the Alabama bias, because when Alabama lost to LSU, all what the talk wasn't about how great of a win that was for LSU, but what could Alabama do to get to – the college football playoffs, even after that loss. Now, the reason why I, that, 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 that set Dabo off is because, like I said, Clemson played Texas A&M. They played South Carolina. Who did Alabama's non-conference? Marathon Oil and the Walmart yeah. Cashiers Junior. That's the thing, okay? You cannot get upset with him for posturing on that because they gave Alabama wiggle room. Oh Clemson goodness. didn't get no wiggle room. And see, this is why Dabble, see, this is the same Dabble that lost his mind uh, when, when he became the Clemson coach and was talk, and tried to dispel that Clemsoning, which meant choking games off at the end, okay? So now he's on the other side of that. So you got to know the totality of Dabble Sweeney, you know? So, so he's doing this to keep his team relevant because there is an SEC and Alabama bias, which Alabama killed themselves when they lost to Auburn in the Iron Bowl. And I was surprised they dropped him out of the top ten. To tell you the truth, I was so surprised they dropped him out of the top ten. When they dropped him, I was like, "If what? Tua does, if Tua didn't get hurt, they wouldn't have dropped him out the top ten. I'm telling you. And, and so before I give my my perspective, I think Hank, you were going towards where I was going, but you didn't quite finish it. But let me hear you what you got to say, Darnell, about Dabble. From me, I have to agree. Um, pretty much what Hank was saying because um. How how far do you think um, in the in the future do they schedule these games? Because back when they back when they scheduled this this game, I bet you Texas A and M was a solid football team. That's back when they had Johnny Manziel in them, and back when they was a top fifteen program, top fifteen, top twenty program. South Carolina, they probably did have Jadavion Clowney. They probably were not the um, um, the mediocre programs that they they are now when they schedule them. Like you said, next year they're scheduling Georgia, and um, he and Dabo Sweeney he has to um, talk up his team. He has to he has to um, stand up for his team because nobody is talking about Clemson. This is something I have to. Um, Vegas talk about Clemson. That's not true. Vegas talk about Clemson. Vegas talk about Clemson. 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 I mean, they have T Higgins. They have T Higgins. 
They have Amari Rogers. They have Justin Ross, Travis Etienne, and Trevor Lawrence. Like Isaiah Simmons too. Isaiah Simmons too. The entire year. I'm telling you, one of these teams is gonna walk in, um, walk in there and play Clemson. Everybody's gonna say, "Oh, LSU, LSU, LSU." Clemson's gonna, Clemson might walk in there and beat them by three touchdowns. I don't know. And, 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 and y'all, I mean, you guys are making some great points about this. And, and uh, you know what's what's crazy about it is Texas A&M has Jimbo Fisher. You're like, yes, here for a lot of money. And who's this, why? I mean, that's so, so, so. But, but Jimbo Fisher came with a price, and so that was supposed to be. You had all the facilities. You think Texas A&M is going to be a better team? So who Dabble? That's not his fault that Jimbo Fisher's not doing his job. But this is why I think he's doing this. This is what makes it. This is all about motivating this team. Where Dabble is the best is the us against them mentality. He does this better than anybody I've ever known. Like that, by the time you done. Dabble got you thinking about it, said something about his mother and got the team rallying about it. I mean, this is the guy who's created a situation where he had several first-round defensive players decide to stay another year rather than go with their money. Like, this guy is the referee. And this is all about his team. This, everything he's saying in the media, he's looking at that camera. He's looking at that camera. He's speaking to all those guys you just talked about. He's speaking to all of his players. He's saying they don't believe in us. He's because he's got to motivate them. He got to keep them from getting bored. And so his whole thing right now is everything he says in the middle of that camera is to let his team know that they think we're going to lose. They waiting for us to drop. Like that is his whole point. And all that other stuff is might be true extracurricular, but when he look at that camera, he's not speaking to anyone else but those kids. And he let he he, he remind them that. You know, people are waiting for us to go back into our shell. They wait for us to be that same old Clemson. They wait for us to lose three or four years in a row because we'll never get the benefit of the doubt that they're going to give to Alabama. And so we got to stay on charge. So, but at a, at a certain time, he got to realize you're a Cadillac program. You're, you're a Mercedes program. You, you, you getting all the five stars. You locking down South Carolina. You locking down some of these. Fertile, you're dipping into Georgia. You're, you, you, you get these kids from all the country. You create this environment. And you're almost like the Patriots in which uh, you can manage injuries because you, you don't have any competitive games. It's like being in the AFC East. It's like you, <laughs> you, you, only, you only have to play those one meaningful games every once in a while in a year. And so he's got the perfect system. You know, he's going to complain about it, but he likes it. Right, he can keep people healthy. He can he can manage around things, and then he can all gear up. And he can even he can even plan three or four games ahead. Now he'll never say that, but he's probably already planning. They're already planning for the combinations they might get in it. Like he's got an advantage probably on scouting right now, right? The other team don't because he know he's gonna win his championship by thirty. <laughs> so so he's he got so much going he on better. right now that 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 he's got such an advantage over everybody right now until. Programs like Miami and Florida State find their way back. He's, he's, got, he's got all kinds of advantages. But I love the fact that he gets under people's skin. And I do say he's he, he wearing people down. But the only reason he's doing that is because he's talking to his kids. All right, y'all. BCS is here. This is our last one before we get to the, actually find the, 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 the teams. Uh, they came up with their top six. Obviously, uh, the Buckeyes are still on top here. You got LSU two, Clemson three with Dabble screaming. You got Georgia four. You got uh, Utah five, Oklahoma six, 
in Baylor seven. Then you get to Wisconsin, Florida, Penn State, a lot of these teams, Auburn at that point. Looking at the top six, uh, starting with you, uh, Darnell, would you have made any changes any different in that order in the top six? Or is that you agree with how they've kind of laid out this top six? I'm sorry, you said uh, Clemson, LSU. So we, got, we, we, got, we got Ohio State at one, uh, LSU at two, Clemson at three, uh, Georgia at four, Utah at five, uh, Oklahoma at six. Yeah, that's the six. That, those are the six teams to me. But, in, in, in that order? No. Well, what order would you have it in? Um, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, um, Georgia, Oklahoma, and then Utah. In Utah, so you would switch those. Bet, bet. Is that what you would have? Carl? Yes, yes, definitely. And what about you? You read my mind. Not me. <laughs> Not me. I, I, I think Ohio go. State is the most dominant team on both sides of the I ball. Look here, I look here. If you, LSU if you has a tough schedule. If you're going strictly on eyeball tests, okay, and, which, and, and, and when I looked at the top six, yes, I've not seen anybody look as good as Ohio State. I hate to say it, but they are, they are the, most, the most dominant team. Next, because of strength of schedule and the, and the games that they won, is LSU, okay? Then I've got Clemson. My number four team is Oklahoma. Why do I have Oklahoma there? Because, see, here's the thing about Georgia, all right? Georgia gets a lot of play, okay, in the in the in in um, in SCC, and but they are a team that is, that is suspect. Kirby Smart is going to make a bad decision in a close game. Sure, my name is Hank Davis sitting here before y'all. If you think I'm lying, go look at the times that they've had Alabama by more than two scores, and figure out a way. Okay, games in the middle of the season they ain't got no business losing. Okay, and all of a sudden they're the number four team. I totally disagree. Okay, they're going to get dismantled by LSU. You watch this game. And if it's a close game, if it's a close game, y'all watch this. No dog in the fight. But I guarantee Georgia plays a solid game for three quarters. Okay? Kirby Smart is going to do something that's going to make you say, why are he calling that play? And they're going to figure out a way. What the hell is he doing? He's going to figure out a way to blow it. That one can't put them there. Okay? I think the Oklahoma – and, and Baylor game, you know, that's just don't have a whole lot of cachet. But you're going to I put Oklahoma at number four because of Jalen Hurts, because of that offense, okay? I don't see anybody really outside the top three that, 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 that is formidable to me to win uh, a national championship. But the, but the dark horse that nobody really pays attention to is, is, is West Coast after dark, and that's that team out there in Utah. Utah, That's a man. football team. They got that, they that very, tight end they got. They are, oh my goodness! They are, and they're a very, very, very <laughs> they're a very physical team. They are very they they, oh, wow. they they run the football. They try to punish you. The problem with Utah is they just are not as talented as the teams in front of them. That's right. That's it. That's the only thing. But 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 I've got Georgia as number six, and I got Baylor at number seven. Okay, that's just let you know my confidence level in in, in Georgia. I, I'm just telling you when y'all watch this game. You go, it's going to be very competitive, and then Kirby Smart is going to be – y'all going to say, damn, how he get, how he get keep that job? Because he, he has blown more championships in, the short, in his short tenure at Georgia than he's won them. 
Yeah, Georgia is like, man, Georgia loses more big games and gets more credit than anybody I've ever seen. Right. And, and he, Kirby he, Smart he, should be on the can't-trusted list. Mike, and your boy Rick and Kirby Smart, they've lost more big games than anybody I can understand. So I, I'm with you, and I, and I think – Chase Young is such a different – like, offensively, Ohio State got players, but Young is such a problem. And he had a problem last week, though. Yeah, yeah. Was but, he a problem last week? Where was he last week? Missing But I'm saying – I'm last week. But, but, but what I'm, I'm saying is because he, because he gets such a – because he gets such a – he opens up everybody Against Michigan on milk card. Well, Michigan – We ain't talking about Wisconsin. He tore but, Wisconsin but, up. But I'm telling you right now, Michigan towards the end of the season was performing at a very high level. They just Michigan, they, they, got know, a a, they got a defensive coordinator who hasn't figured out that you need the game plan. So yeah, yeah. Don Brown need to go. He need to go. He, 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 he gone. So yeah, don't, 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 don't get me on there. Don't get me on He got a defensive coordinator that's self-checked. But we'll, we'll work on that later. <laughs> on. So I, 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 but I could, you know, I could see LSU. Look. The Dick Orgeron thing just told me because every time I interview, he, arr, 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 I love him, man. I'm, I'm in love with Orgeron. Go Tigers! I mean, that <laughs> is, is so. I like. I'm with LSU. I think LSU Ohio State would be a great game, but even those top three are going to be a great game. You know, the sneaky team. Utah, like I think Baylor is sneaky in a lot. Of yeah, Baylor is a good team. Matt Rule can coach. The yeah, only problem yeah, I mean, is the Big Twelve, though. I just I, I, it's like the WAC twelve and in, in the Big Twelve. Uh, I just I, can't deal with the WAC twelve and the Big Twelve, man. But I it's think Baylor. I think Baylor would play more traditional defense than people think. Yeah. I think they can do that. Oklahoma's defense is just a problem, yeah. and, and and they just can't stop anybody. And, and these top teams, if you can't stop, like if you can't play defense against LSU, Ohio State, or Clemson, you in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, so I think they will struggle a little bit. Even though Jalen, I think is big game. He's a big game kind of player. So we'll we'll keep a run on this. Look, we'll, you know, obviously I got one thing to say. I got one thing to say. So I don't think I don't think you can. I, I don't think you can count Georgia out. I've seen a lot of people. Oh my Georgia is a lot to lose this week. Okay. I don't see it. Because okay, great talent. Yeah, great talent. You not you not youngin. You not paying attention. Okay. I am paying attention. I, they, no, they are. They, look at. They are talented. They've recruited well. Okay, I'm telling you that 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 Kirby Smart fuckers up in the fourth quarter. Hey, okay? Georgia, go, go back, go back to the national championship game when Tua played yeah, Tua. Okay, yeah. that was a game that should have never went to overtime. True. Okay, go back to the SEC championship game last year. They should have won that game in regulation. Okay, you, your quarterback gets hurt. Jalen Hurts comes in. That was that was some play calling done. Go look at the Notre Dame game this year, okay? A game that they won. Go look at that game, okay? Go look at that game. Go look at the game they lost this year. Go look at those games, okay? I guarantee you, those are close games. When your talent is a, 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 and what you call is supposed to help you win, Georgia has lost those games. Had Georgia had, had Georgia had an M on his helmet, on, on his on his cap instead of a G. They'd have had him hung in effigy at the big house. I'm telling you, he has lost more big games, okay, with all that talent. Y'all think about it. That team drives me crazy. So why are you like Keith Harbaugh then? If you were talking I'm, about Kirby Smart, why are you okay. like Keith Harbaugh? Because he, he's listen, your guy? Because, because, <laughs> because we know, listen, listen, real, real Michigan fans, if they weren't fooling themselves, 
know where we came from, okay? If Michigan was being honest with themselves, they know where they came from. Do you know the year that – I didn't even think about this. The year that uh, Jim Harbaugh was hired, yeah. okay? That same year, okay, he was hired in 14, took over yeah. for Brady Hope. Yeah. Guess who won the national championship in 15? Ohio State. Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? So sure. you got a coach in here in Ann Arbor. I don't want to take over this, but you got a coach in Ann Arbor that's taking over a team who's got who's already won a national championship. Urban Meyer was a legend who took over for a coach that already won a national championship. Sure. Okay. So 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 you've got a lot to build around. So you got a coach that they expect him to come in here, turn water into wine. He ain't Jesus Christ, he's Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Okay. You win in 10 ball games. He's got to figure it out. Like, I, I've always – I'm one of those who have compared Jim Harbaugh to Dabo Sweeney, okay, because Clemson was in the same situation as Michigan was uh, when, 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 when Dabo Sweeney took over, just like when Jim Harbaugh took over. The only difference is Jim Harbaugh got all of this name behind him, but he had to bring the program back because Michigan wasn't nobody coming here, going to school, nothing. He's had five years, bro. He's had five years. Matter. No excuses. Okay. It doesn't matter. That's it took Dabo Sweeney six, seven years. And now All right, so he won next year then. He won next year then? I don't know. But, I, but I'll tell you what. I'll tell you this. I'll, tell you this. I'll give you this. No. I, I will hey, give well, you this. One thing I know is Michigan State. I don't know. No. If they do this. It's no. I'll offer this up. I'll offer this up. I can say this. They're going to beat Michigan State again. No, no. I'll offer this up. Well, yeah. Listen to me. Little state, state, then turn back into uh, Lincoln High School. But listen, okay. <laughs> if, they, if they do this one thing, if they go and they do some benchmarking and see who is the architect of the Michigan State defense, okay, bring that defense to Ann Arbor with Josh Gaddis's offense. All right. Now you got a chance to because you got to you got to put your defense in place to beat Ohio State. Nobody mm -hmm. else in the Big Ten. And you know what you do? Get Pat Narduzzi from Pitt. That's what I'm saying. Go, go, get you a, go get you a Pat Narduzzi disciple to run your defense. Okay? If you do that in Ann Arbor, okay. now you got a chance to beat Ohio State. That's the only defense. You gotta, if you and you got to get – the they've had better running back play, but they, they don't have that. Michigan, when they were good, had, had deep at running back. The, the explosive running back, yeah. Deep at running back. Michigan was a team that was deep at running back with breakaway running backs, and they don't quite have that. They don't have no. a guy who could just go to the house. No, Timmy Matuka. Yeah, so I mean, you know, they, like have that. Not, they need to upgrade at the running back position. But Hammer, but Hammer, to yeah. your point, to mm -hmm. your point. Yeah, break it down. We talk about Kirby Smart. How many championships has he won? None. Yeah. Okay. How long right. has Kirby Smart been at? <laughs> but 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 at least he's getting in the in the CFP though. Herbert ain't getting the CFP, bro. I mean, the last great team he had was at Stanford. My my alma mater. I love me some Jim Harbaugh, but I'd rather have being the coach of Chicago Bears except for tonight's different because uh, we killing Dallas tonight. So Kirby Smart at least went to the college football playoff. Was up and figured out a way to lose that too. He's got more talent than Michigan has got. He's got more talent than Michigan. I agree with that. He's got more talent. He's got the window of Georgia. He's been a top five, top five and recruited almost every year since Jim Harbaugh's been there. Listen, Georgia has got this. Don't look at the. Don't you cannot look at that stuff. Look at what you see on the field. 
Look and see what you see. On the field, young man. Y'all, y'all just love Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. And, Wait a I minute. Mean, I, let's, I, look I, up, I, let's look I, up I, um, the recruiting rankings from last I mean, you get the buyout. The buyout can be bought out, man. The buyout can be done. Listen, I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not what has been what he did in Carolina in terms of his coaching? Did y'all feel about that? And then who should hire? You know, right away. Uh, Giants. <laughs> that's already done. Gelman's there. Unless Gelman gets fired, that, that's the next coach of Giants. No, nah, I think he should be hired by the Lions. The Lions ain't gonna. I mean, the Lions man. gonna hire somebody from the Patriots tree. Oh no, they're not. They yes, they are. Yes, they are. They, are they already got one from the Patriots tree, and that's a sour tree. Well, I think McDaniel's gonna do one. McDaniel's gonna do do it one more. And who who from the Patriot tree has really been successful? Uh, Nobody. Jim, Jim, Bill O'Brien. Yeah, he hasn't been successful. He's been successful. He's been successful. People criticize his decisions all the time. You know what he did? He luckily listened to Dabo and got Deshaun Watson. That's about. He was before Deshaun Watson. You talking about somebody who's messed up games? Bill O'Brien's messed up more games. <laughs> he made the playoffs. He, 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 you know what? Bill O'Brien should go coach Georgia. Good coach. Bill O'Brien should go to Georgia. He should go to Georgia and just continue. Uh, he ain't going back to college. Of that. If, if O'Brien is your best example of a coaching tree, there is no tree. All right. So, so you say he should go. He should go to Giants as a as a shrubbery. <laughs> 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 oh, Brian's a good coach, but that's all. I can't, I can't, I can't defend Patricia. I can't uh, defend Mangini, uh, Romeo. I can't defend him, McDaniel's. But Bill Brian's a good coach. Especially we did at Penn State was unbelievable. So, unbelievable. He oh, like, get in. oh my goodness, Bill Brian, man. Oh I like my it. goodness. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What do you think? To- Talk about Ron Rivera. What do you think about him with his tenure in Carolina? Where do you think he should go? What, do you think he'll get hired next year? Did you talk about me? Or me? For Darnell. Oh, yeah. it's kind of sad to see him go. I remember um, you know, um, how he he seemed to have he seemed to be a guy that was really connected with the locker room. A lot of the guys sad, uh, sad to see him go, but uh, I think he'll be successful in another spot. Like you said, I'll be. Um, I would take him here in Detroit. Maybe he could uh, he could be a coach here that um, I would accept. So I would like to see him here in Detroit, to be honest. And I'm saying the reason why Nagy coaches so hard because he was a bear, and so if Nagy don't turn that thing around, you know Chicago could see a. He turned around tonight, bro. He getting in tonight. You He was on notice. Tonight, man. Dallas getting whooped because because he he knew he was on notice as soon he saw that fire. Yeah, hey, hey, there's a lot of support in Chicago for Rivera. 
And Garrett's gone. Garrett's gone here. tonight. He might not be on the plane tonight. So <laughs> <laughs> might be on bus. <laughs> and Jerry, speaking of, of of Dallas, you know, Jerry Jerry came out was talking junk about his coach who was struggling tonight, and then he started backpedaling. Now they get whooped tonight. What should Jerry Jones do, man? What, what, what's going on with Jerry, man? Hank, I know you got something to say about Jerry. What's yeah, you- see, here's the thing. Uh, Jerry has been involved with, uh, you know, he, he that's what uh, Jim Rohn called him, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jerry. You know, the thing about it is, you know, he, he wants to run it his way. Yeah. All right. But, uh, uh, but Garrett has been just a yes man on that team for that team for, for years now to me. Okay, that team has underachieved a lot, mm-hmm. all right? Uh, he needs to have a dynamic coach like he did when he had uh, uh, Jimmy, um, Jimmy Johnson, Johnson. Yeah. When he, when, and when he had old crazy Barry Switzer over there. Yeah. You know, those guys who knew how to uh, – that, that, that could motivate the, those players and not just be over there and just be my, 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 the, the, the main man's uh, hand pick. Now, I think, I think Rivera will work really well in, in, in Dallas, okay? The reason why I say that is because the man knows how to win, okay? He's got him a versatile quarterback in Dak Prescott, just like he had with Cam Newton, okay, in Carolina. And I think that would be a good fit. Y'all might as well forget the Detroit Lions stuff. The Detroit Lions, because what do we know about our Detroit Lions? If you give them a layup, they're going to throw it over the damn backboard, okay? So don't make no sense trying to give them something like that, okay? They, they, they would, that, that would be – they would go and, and, and pick me to be their head coach, all right? And, 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 and I would still do a better job than Matt Patricia, okay? But my point is that, that you got – these teams are trying to win. This is, this is what – if I'm Rivera, this is where I'm going. Okay, I'm going to look at some of these coaches that's got – I'm going to look at these rosters for first. I'm going to see what I got. Okay, and 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 what can I do with them? All right. Uh, the idea would be if, if if I'm him is I'm looking at if if any of those coaches leave in the like I say in the AFC East. Okay, there's some talented teams over there. Maybe they're not coached very well. Okay, I would love you know I think the Jets just got the, got 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 the job there. Uh, he, he just got the that coach just got his job there. And he got but, a gym fired too. He ain't going nowhere. You know, no, he's not going nowhere. Yeah. But you know where? Florida you know ain't going nowhere. Florida I'm gonna give y'all. I'm gonna give y'all something that's rather intriguing. Okay, the Miami Dolphins. No, Florida ain't going nowhere, bro. Yeah, that they they, 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 they playing hard for him, bro. Job. You see, they playing hard. Coach. Oh, oh, then okay. I'll, I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more. Okay, but I'm, I'm trying to talk to you about Jerry. I don't care where he's going, but what's Jerry Jones going to do? Oh, Jerry Jones. Yeah, Lincoln Riley. You'll get Lincoln Riley. He'll, you'll get another college coach. There, there you go. That's, you'll that's get another college coach, think, a dynamic college coach. I think he'll throw a bunch of money at Lincoln Riley. Uh, or Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer, too. Urban Meyer. I can see Urban Meyer, too. The reason why USC still has Clay Helton, Urban turned him down, bro. I can't, I, can't, I can't see Urban Meyer in, in, the, in the professional game, though. Mm. I, 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 I can see, see Barry Swiss in the professional game. Lincoln Riley, I can see that. I can see Lincoln Riley. I can see both of them. I can see Urban in the professional game. You can't. Yeah, he got, he got swag. I think he does. He'll get. He's not stupid enough. He'll get good talent around him. He'll get good offensive court, defense coordinator, good special teams. Bedrock. He's not going to be. He's going to let Jerry do his thing. He's going to coach. That's the problem with Jason Garrett. It's the other way around, and Jerry going to let him do his thing. That's the problem. 
Let him do his thing. I think the, the problem was well, last time they won, it's like a little kid. He'll respect him. He'll respect him. And that's the problem. That's why he's meddling everything because he'll respect Jared, Jason Garrett. He got the job because Wade Phillips couldn't do it. He was good and not head coach. And they got they trying to throw the offensive coordinators under the bus. You had one hand. Yeah, he's a dummy, but this Kellen Moore ain't better. I mean, I'm seeing him right now. They got seven points on the board in Chicago. The great offense is the Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? <laughs> like Stephen A. said. I mean, I can't wait. I want to see Stephen A. on Twitter tonight. He's cutting up. I know he's clowning tonight on Twitter. It's I almost Christmas. It's almost Christmas, like he said. Yeah, he well, it's a, yeah. well, Garrett's going to be gone after this game, man. Trump, they gonna, they gonna, he's he going to have another – he ain't going to be on the, on, the, on, the, on the team flight tonight, man. Ain't no way. Yeah, they get uh, crushed by the Bears. Yeah, uh, enough about the Cowboys. Tommy, terrific, man. People are already, again, you know, he has – this year they've been putting the dirt on him. And, and saying that, you know, whether or not he's he's uh, he's going to the end. You know, most interceptions, I think, this year. Uh, maybe, I think, uh, were, uh, uh, just, uh, uh, you know, just in terms of his quarterback rating and some things like that, in terms of uh, how uh, he's performing. Tommy Terrific, they, they call him the GOAT. But how we see in the end, or, or is this really premature in terms of New England? It's premature. It's, it's, it's premature. I mean, the talent's not there, D. Wills. The talent's not there. They, they gave him a second round pick from Muhammad Sanu. Hey, I mean, that's a bad he's personnel. He's left talent before. He's left talent before. Darnell, what, what do you think? These guys are insane. Like um, Einstein said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. These guys have been saying this thing year in, year in, year out. It's over, it's over. And then the playoff happens. When the playoff comes, the Patriots going to be there. So um, I think – I don't think it's going to be the end. The receivers are not getting no separation. Like, that battle – and you keep trying to force the balls in a tight way we're going to throw in the second. Preach. They run in quicksand. Preach. <laughs> They run in quicksand. But, but let's look at it. The, the nemesis he has in front of him is John Harbaugh, who has demonstrated ability to win on the road, demonstrated to do a lot of things. I mean, he's got Baltimore humming. Harbaugh has had some success against Belichick. If there's any coach who's had success against Belichick, it's been John Harbaugh. Because, because especially this year, because um, the Patriots have a great defense, but the, but the Patriots' defense, the strength is in the secondary. They have the best secondary in the NFL. But what the Ravens do is they're going to punch you in the mouth. They have one of the best offensive well, offensive lines. And on top of that, they have tight ends that are really good at blocking. And you mm-hmm. have Mark back in Mark Ingram that can go downhill, and they're attacking Rich. the defense from the inside. Instead of, they're not attacking Stephon Gilmore and, and them on the, um, in the passing game. So that is where the Patriots were running into trouble. But we just got to see if they can adjust come playoff time. Another thing I think they do well that a lot of teams don't teach now that is great defense has been doing forever that I think Belichick teaches, Harbaugh teaches, um, a few of these great defensive coach teaches, they teach, is that they don't let you get free releases. So I think what hurts Brady is <coughs> they had Gronk. When, when teams, uh, 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 outside linebackers hit the tight end, uh, the receivers get hit at the line, it throws the timing off. And I've watched too many teams coach free releases. It's it just it, if you watch a Belichick team, they don't let anybody free release. They 
linebackers will hit the tight ends. They'll let they always. And this is you know I, I played on great defenses in high school. This is what we always taught. He's like this is it's it's a fundamental thing, and it's so funny that do that, and, and everybody else just let free releases. And what Harbaugh and them do defensively against New England historically is they don't let any free releases go, and then they put pressure. And so that's one of the things that I think they do. They they schemed, and it, it makes it difficult for someone like Edelman and, for, and folks like that to get off and get going, and then mm-hmm. it gives time for pressure to get to Tom. So yeah, but you, you're not going. You know, you know they might not see the Ravens. So you know they might find another way to the championship, but it, it might be too early to have its demise. But you know we got to have this annual conversation. You know it, it would be nice to to kind of do that. All right, let's just jump in here quickly and move some things along. A little bit. Um, the NBA. Uh, we got some stuff coming on. Uh, uh, you know, we got a lot of conversations around uh, what's been going on with the draft. You know, Lamelo Ball. You know, is 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 seen as one of the top players um, around. I had a chance to see was it Anthony Edwards from Georgia play. And, he can ball, man. He can ball. He's, he's number one uh, pick right now. He got some areas for development, and part of it is that Georgia's team is strange looking. But you know, very unselfish young man uh, when he's playing. Um, uh, but you know, in my mind, he wasn't the best guy at the tournament by far. Uh, I would say Obi Toppin it was was the guy. His stock is going up fast. Um, this guy is a monster uh, out there on the court, and people better pay attention to him. And some GMs gonna lose some money if they don't. Uh, so, uh, uh, but Lamelo coming out of anywhere is, is is he's been doing his thing. He's been doing it internationally. You know, who do y'all see? You know, as as we start to uh, start to have this draft talk, um, what do y'all see? And if Lamelo's there, you know, how does he how does he how does he matriculate to the NBA in a way that avoids this kind of thing that his brother had to go through? <laughs> Obviously, with father and everything else. Given like now, you're gonna have this. No, another top pick coming out of the family. You know, how does he manage that? So let put me Levera, put Levera Ball, Levera Ball in a cage. Okay. <laughs> Preach. In, in, Preach. In, in the South Pacific Preach. somewhere. Preach. And leave him there. Preach. Preach. Okay. Preach. And go get somebody to Preach. be able to negotiate with this boy that's got some that, that he can get a shoe deal that don't Thank cost $900. That are slip, that are house shoes. That that that, 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 that once they get wet, your face stanks. Don't give you no Preach. kind of support. Preach. That's the truth, right? Preach. That's like, the only thing that's going like the shoes Zion like wore. Raggy right? shoes like that. Tear that's up, what I'm man. saying. Wait, that's like tissue paper shoes. shoes. That's like all tissue you got paper shoes. Okay. Did you guys see the video when 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 Lonzo was talking about the shoes? Yeah, I saw that. He said he had to change shoes every game at halftime. Because they would literally rip apart. Yeah. yeah he, see, he bought, he got, he got, he, he out there selling nine hundred dollar pay less shoes and call them big baller brands. Man, that's insulting the pay less. That's insulting the pay less. That's insulting the pay bro. I didn't see those shoes. I didn't see those shoes at Walmart. I saw those mm. shoes at Kroger's. That's no. my Okay, they was the produce section. I was say same thing, but Kroger's, that's good. That's good. That's they true. Kroger's, they were right yeah. next to the produce section. Disposable. 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 Right. Disposable yeah. big baller brand. No, but uh, <laughs> D. Wells, with LaMelo, I mean, I think he's, he's mature. The fact he's overseas right now. But, again, LaBar's got to get out the picture, man. LaBar has been a big problem. And, I mean, 
you see it with Lonzo, you see it with uh, uh, Jello, well, he's not that good. But yeah, again, LaMelo will probably go, I think he's projected probably top five. He's going to probably get somebody to get, take him higher. But I mean, LeVar's that guy at the picture, man. I mean, that's the problem. LeVar needs to go. So, get so we, get so, so, so we get got James guy. Wiseman, who is, you know, played at Memphis, right? Ball, um, yeah. And he's um, sitting out right now. He's going to come back in a few games. Over some mess. Over some mess. That's, that's the worst rule ever. How are you going to be a booster and pay hard? How do you be a booster and you pay hard away? I mean, it makes no sense. I mean, they just punish these kids. That, and you're going to get more RJ Hamptons, more Lumelo Balls. You're going to be like, forget college. I'm going to go overseas. I'm gonna get my money, and I'll get my profile. I'm gonna get streamed by these people anyway. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get paid anyway. So I mean, it's ridiculous. The college game better change quickly. You got more people who are gonna be like uh, the brother on um, who's the brother? The brother on Portland. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Anthony Fosby. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Cats like that. I mean, they're tired this mess, man. Yeah. They, they mistreat these kids, and, and you got people like Chase Young can't take a <laughs> girlfriend to the bowl game. They gonna suspend them. I mean, come on. Kids are broke, and then you want to make them broker by hurting them uh, and suspending them. So, so, so when we got the projections on something, we got Wiseman, we got Cole Anthony, uh, we got Anthony Edwards, who I got a chance to see in Maui, um, uh, uh, be out there. Who's you know who is an interesting um, is an interesting pick um, uh, when you look at that. Um, you, uh, um, I believe, they got Levar Ball. Um, this hello bar, hello bar, bar. Let me say, Levar. I got Levar on the mind. You got Levar. He wouldn't go one in the ball draft, so let's make that clear. But go ahead, he wouldn't go one in the ball draft. Yeah, I know Levar said he said Levar said he could beat Jordan, so that's how I got confused. <laughs> <laughs> Guy couldn't play it all with Washington or whatever. You know, he got no no runner Washington. Play whatever, whatever. <laughs> Uh, you got uh. So let me let me pull up a little bit. Who else we got on this? Uh, uh, uh ESPN got their little uh, uh board here. Um, so ESPN's got Lamelo at the top. You got uh, mm-hmm. Hampton. Um, you got a kid from Israel. You got Nico. Now this kid Nico uh, Manning from Arizona. Yeah, he, he can ball. Oh, yeah, he's he's, 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 he's scoring. That kid. He's scoring. Yeah, he's scoring. He's scoring. He, he, uh, uh, you got uh, Tyrese Maxey. From Kentucky. He can ball. He can ball from Kentucky. Yeah, he can ball. Jade McDaniels from Washington. Yeah. Then, uh, Tyrese Halliburton. I, I, Tyrese is an Iowa State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, and guess where he's from? Wisconsin. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> another another Jeff Greg Guard person he couldn't get. Another Greg Guard person they they missed on. Yeah. Man. And that's why we're so, four and four right now. We can't recruit. At 15, I got this kid from McEachin from my niece's high school, Isaac Okoro from Auburn. Yeah. Watch him play high school. He's a baller. Uh, he, he, he played at Auburn. We're going to sneak up on him. So I think we got more time on this that we'll, we'll be able to to kind of see this stuff going. Uh, LaMelo is obviously doing his thing. Uh, <laughs> I think some other kids are going to make their way up into the thing. I think, Go ahead. Yeah, I think Anthony, some team is going to get Anthony Edwards and be very happy because of it. Yeah. Because um he had a a, a a shaky first couple of games, so people were thinking maybe he's not the guy he is. But I saw something when he uh, when he got hot against Michigan State, he oh got he he shown flashes of a problem. And I like Obi Toppin too, 
I think Obi Thomas is a problem, but I don't know how his size is gonna um how his size is gonna um translate to the yeah to the bros yeah that's my only oh, man he's six nine and can play big I mean he was playing against Azubuki and Obi oh. gone but he can step on baseball yeah. I mean he's hitting Jays I didn't think his outside game was as good as it is he was knocking down Jays consistently somebody will get fired if they don't draft him I'm gonna say <laughs> I saw him up first he was easily the most dominant cat there other than Azubuki like he he was. Like, people paid attention. Guys on the floor did not want to get dunked on. But he was jaying them out. And when he hit that J against Kansas and looked at the bench before he had bottom, he must have he winked that Bill Self. No. <laughs> he got that, that kid back. is for real. <laughs> I'm just going to right now. All right. Uh, we're going to move on. We're going to skip it. Let's, let's get into um, um, uh, our boxing cipher. Uh, look at uh, our boxing moment a little bit. We're going we're gonna to isolate a little bit here. Uh, and, and put uh, Darnell in the middle. We had some great stuff going on in the boxing. But, Darnell, I want to hit with you real quick. I want to start with the fight we just saw. Boom squad! Ortiz was on him, boom, boom, and in one split second. What separates Wilder from anyone was that ability in that right hand to put you to sleep. Because up until that point, Ortiz was doing his work. He was following. Yep. Reflect, man. Give me some reflection on that fight, man. And to me, it was it was a great fight. I was scoring Ortiz ahead uh, in that fight. It's the moment uh, where everything changed. Yeah, in my opinion, Ortiz was up. He was up big. I think he was up five rounds to one on my card. But um, the thing about Deontay Wilder is he when he approaches a fight, he doesn't approach a fight to win rounds. He approaches the fight to knock you out. So he, so everything he's doing, he's studying you, he's calculating, and he's setting you up. So um, as the rounds are going on, he was, um, he was doing some things that you might think, what is he doing? Like he's like how he throw the left hook over the shoulder. He's just, he's doing little calculations to say, okay, when I did this, you reacted this way. So he was setting him up, and um, he did something. He did a old the old Tommy Hearns move uh, it, uh, to knock him out. He hit him. He he over uh, he overshot the jab on purpose uh, to the left to make his head to make him move to the right, right into the right hand. So um, he was um, so he he's a very calculating guy, and he is more he is more precise than people give him credit for. He's more of a thinker. People give him credit for. Yeah, and, I, and I, you, you can see him setting it up, but you can also see that Ortiz was um, really following his game plan in a way that I think most people um, thought he was not going to get as dis- – you know, it was, it was easy to have moments where he, he could have gotten big exchanges, but you can see he was really following that game plan and with great discipline and just, you know, had a split second where he was – That's the Cuban schooling. That's yes. the Cuban school, yep. Yeah, and, and, and so when you look at Ortiz in this loss, I mean – I mean, he he gained a lot of credit. But if you gain credit being a loss, he gained it. Do you what, what, what do you see if you were advising him? Where, where does he go next with this? Where's his? I mean, how does he find a way in the game? Who's going? It's tough because he it's tough because um nobody wants to fight him. So where who was gonna who's gonna end up who's gonna step up and fight Luis Ortiz? Gonna be Effie Joshua. It's going to be Andrew Ruiz. 
Is it going to be Tyson Fury? Is it going to be Dillian White? We don't know. Uh, uh, he's been looking for fights in the past, and he, he's not been able to get them. So um, he's coming. He's getting up there in age, so I don't know. And he's, he definitely he says he definitely wants to continue fighting. But um, I, he might have to just keep beating up on these lower-level guys until – he he got he has to move his way up in the rankings for the other mm-hmm. section of bodies, other than Deontay Wilder, because <laughs> I guess that's the matchup that we see. And, and that says so much about Deontay when you when you when you when you look at it. That says so much about Deontay that um, you know that that uh, um, uh, that we got that we have to really appreciate um, is that. He's not will. He doesn't duck in ways that I know you've been very critical about uh, 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 ducking uh, because you know he he is he will fight all comers and to to be willing to fight this guy twice and put him on line says a lot about Deontay Wilder and who he is. Um, in some ways, you know whether whether he is the lineal champ or not, I feel like he's the people champ. You know, in, in a way that he's put himself on a, on, on, on the line and not. And almost for him, he's not concerned about if you're on the wrong side of the street or not. He's he's concerned about getting the best fight he can get, which which uh, in this day and age is, I think, appealing to a lot of boxing fans. Right. And uh, oh wow, <laughs> you saw um, Carl, Carl just he just takes the group. He said, "What happened to Wilder's brother?" <laughs> some, I guess the the game is not for everybody. Let's just say that. And uh, <laughs> uh, all due respect, I don't think I think um, Marcellus should probably find something else to be honest. Because I don't want to see him just out here just getting knocked out. This is the second time getting knocked out. Actually, he's a prospect, and if he if this is really what he loves to do, he can keep doing it. But uh, I don't think um, he's that guy. He said he take the fall. Oh my. God. <laughs> you, said, you said the game's not for everybody. And we're going to find out in this next big heavyweight fight, we got the other side of, uh, uh, I guess we were talking about this, a, a triangle, right? We got, the, we got the other side of this triangle, which is going to be Joshua and Ruiz to rematch. Uh, and we're going to find out if the game is for Joshua. Um, you know, it was, it's, it was great. There was a, um, I saw this great breakdown of the fight that included so many different experts. You had Holyfield and, um, you had all these people talking about each of these rounds. It was well done. Uh, I watched it the other night and, uh, people talking about like Sylvester Stallone, Stallone saying, you know, at, at the moment he's standing in the corner, you could see, you could sense that he was like, everything was around him in, in, in he really didn't want to come out of that corner. I mean, the way they were breaking down each moment, the psychological aspects, and as you've watched the video, is Joshua a front runner? Can, can, he, yeah. out, can he do what Lennox Lewis did after getting knocked out? You know, Lennox came back like a beast. But Lennox got a different kind of makeup. You know what I'm saying? Does Joshua have that makeup? When you, when you talk about this fight in Ruiz, I mean, I remember watching before the fight, I remember telling him, like, man, this guy got hand speed. Remember, we were talking about this. I didn't know if he was going to win, yeah. but this guy got uncanny hand speed. Um, what, what, what do you say about this fight, the second fight? What do you, and it's going to be in Saudi Arabia. It's going to be at 11 o'clock in the morning here. I mean, it's got all kinds of weird stuff. It's going to be at 5 in the afternoon. It's going to be during It's going to be during conference championship week, man. Okay. So, um, 
Anthony Joshua, what he needs is a sports psychologist. <laughs> he, man, this dude, um, he, like, boxing is a sport that reveals a lot of things in character, I guess. Like, it, it, it'll bring out, um, it'll bring out what's within you. So, um, when, after the first time Anthony Joshua got knocked out and he went to the corner and he asked his coach, he was like, um, Wow, what did he hit me with? <laughs> I, I, that's something you just don't hear. You don't hear him. He was like, what did he hit me with? And, um, like, so, and um, another thing that happened was uh, he got knocked down and he spit his mouthpiece out, right? He was trying yeah. to knock him, and you kept looking at his corner. Kept looking at his trainer, and he—it seemed like he wanted them to stop it. So like, um, it was—it it reveals a lot of things like that. Like, um, are—is—is is this trainer somebody that is good for you? Because he should, in my opinion, he should have listened to Lennox Lewis. Lennox Lewis, a few years back, he said that. Um, um he said that you can't take. Um, you can't take the same coach with you to the pros that you had with you in high school. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You can't have the same guy. You can't have your JV coach coach you in college. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So Robert Crackett might not be the guy that could take him to the next level. And it mm. seems like he was just unprepared for the fight, in my yes. opinion. And um, one thing that uh, concerns me about this next fight is it's in Saudi Arabia, of course. And the tr- and um, the ref is a notorious ref for um, the last for um, he in in fights in the past he he um, is a guy that doesn't allow inside fighting right he's gonna mm. be all over the place he's gonna he's gonna um, be breaking them up as soon as Andy Ruiz gets to the inside so I think if you're a betting man I would bet on Anthony Joshua getting a decision because I think he's probably gonna try to box on the outside and hold and uh, the ref's going to just break it up every time. And but the, but the only problem with that is 12 rounds is a long time to try to survive. So I don't know if Anthony Joshua can stay away for 12 rounds or not. That's going to be the interesting part of the fight. But um, that is a detail that is not a small detail. Yeah, it's not. I mean, a referee can have uh, so many things to, uh, to do with this and, and, and that can uh, determine what the style is like. So, hey, if we are, uh, we, we got the, we got, the, we got the Charlos. You know, you, got, you can't, you can't have this without talking about a Charlo. So, tell, t- tell us what's up going on with the Lions. <laughs> Lions only. Um, so, um, the big Charlo, Jamal Charlo, he fights um this week. Actually, he fights this week, the same day at night on Showtime. He's fighting Dennis Hogan. Dennis Hogan is a guy. Not a lot of people might know him, but he, um, if you do, he fought, his last fight was against um, Jaime Munguia, the 154 champion, at, uh, the, WB, the, the WBO 154 champion. And a lot of people, most people think that Dennis Hogan won the fight. And just, um, and most people think it was a robbery. I'm, I don't claim, in my opinion, close fights shouldn't be, um, Called robberies, but I think Dennis Hogan probably won the fight, in my opinion, as well too. 
But this is a dangerous fight because it's not a dangerous fight as far as I think Charles will lose. I think Charles will still win this fight pretty handily. But this is a fight that is not necessarily going to be easy to look good against. So that's the only thing, in my opinion, to look at for Charlo. Well, hey, uh, we 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 have got a lot going on. It you know we're gonna be hitting more on the boxing moment. We want to give everybody a taste of what's coming up. We have a lot of other big fights. Um, we're gonna be posting a, a, a much longer uh, uh, a segment uh, with myself and Darnell. Uh, we got a number. We got Javante. We got a whole bunch of. We got Crawford. We're gonna be hitting. So make sure you go to realsportsguys.com to catch a lot of stuff that we're going to be hitting in boxing here. We're going to give you a taste. We've got big fights coming up this weekend. Uh, this is why this, this young man has become one of the best in the business uh, in this area uh, 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 with a, a boxing moment with my man Darnell. So we're loving it. We're going to move into the cypher. Um, and one of the things is part of what we talk about, you know, tis the season. This is the season for a lot of changing with college coaches and executives and ADs getting fired. It, you know, across sports, across these next few months and changes and all kinds of things happening. Um, and we still don't see people of color. <laughs> we see changes. Preach. Preach. We, don't, we don't see the diversity. And we want to spend a little bit of time here in the cypher and uh, talking about a couple of areas where we're just seeing some issues that are not being uh, addressed. And uh, my man Hamber actually raised one. I think this will be, I, I know uh, Hank will want to jump in on this. But, you know, we talk about a lot of sports, but we don't talk about diversity in terms of executive positions in baseball. We have 70% of the, of, of the players on the field are, are folks of color. Uh, you, don't, you do not see diversity in the GMs and the front offices uh, of uh, the MLB. We talk a lot about football. We talk a lot about basketball. We talk a lot about college sports. Uh, but baseball is something that we, we don't talk a lot about um, in terms of the diversity of this. And, I know, uh, Hammer, I know you brought this on the table as a, as a topic, so I'd like you to start, and uh, we'll follow up a little bit with Hank and, and to, to maybe offer some perspective. But we don't often talk about the lack of diversity in baseball, and I, I know you want to bring this up. Yeah, it's really a shame, considering uh, Jackie Robinson and the fact that people are talking about uh, the black, disappearing black ball player. But you also look at the fact now that at least some of the, the recent drafts have shown more African-American talent. But... The main thing, Devon, you're in higher ed, I'm in higher ed, is the pipeline. Yeah. Uh, just real talk. We don't have brothers and sisters in. They're not giving us the opportunities, and we're not in the pipeline for these jobs. We're not in the scouting positions. We're not in the other positions related to that. And so um, that's really the problem is that, yes, I mean, I'll, I'll be out I'll there. It's just racism, no question. But if you have a pipeline that's dearth of talent of color, that's even more problematic because – you can, you're you're having uh, uh, you know bias in the process, as well as you have lack of uh, capacity in numbers. That's just a recipe for uh, homogeneity, which is you know white males running ba- baseball team, which is unfair. And one of the things I want to say that in, in that's synonymous with this is any time you start talking analytics, there's this assumption again, around intellect and who can understand analytics. So then there, that's another barrier of evaluation around whether or not folks of color have the capacity to do the statistical analytics, right? Because baseball yeah. is probably the most analytically driven game. And so it, it lends itself again to another layer of barrier for how be, people might perceive 
uh, people's ability to whether it's whether it's black or uh, Latinx uh, 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 talent coming through. But you know, you sit down and you listen to somebody like Alex Rodriguez and some of these cats who understand analytics. Mm-hmm. You, you don't see them being promoted in these executive uh, positions. Hank, I know you've been doing this with you know inside the park, and you know we're getting Hampton more involved in that baseball side. But uh, I know you've been looking at this a lot and talking about these things for for. What's your perspective on this? Well, 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 if you just go back to the beginning with baseball, and, and Hammer said you, 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 you had Jackie Robinson come over as the first player, then how long did it take before you had your first manager, Frank Robinson? Okay, the first, yeah. yeah, the first. Okay, so so how many years from that with with, uh, with with Jackie Robinson? Then when you move a little bit further, how many how many GMs you the one I can think of. Most is Kenny Williams, who spent many years with the Chicago White Sox, okay, uh, as, as a general manager, actually put a team together. You start to see a little bit more of, of, of people of color being managers, you know, your Dusty Bakers, you know, um, Ozzygians and, and, and guys like that. The problem now, now with baseball is, as you see, they're, they're moving into a more analytical role. But when you look at the, the demographic of baseball, it has changed dramatically. Okay, you don't have as many black players, African American players in the game as you once upon a time did. You they they came over directly uh, from the Negro leagues and, and really dominated the game. Okay, mm-hmm. in the sixties and the seventies and eighties. Now you've got more of a Dominican Latino uh, population in baseball right now. So now what that does is that lends another uh, layer of of well, they, why they can't do it. Okay, and what the reason why they're saying they can't do it now is because of what they're calling the the, the, the language barrier. Okay, yeah. they can't they can't communicate. So this this is where baseball is going with it now because now they're trying to pull players from Cuba, they're trying to pull players from the Dominican Republic, and pull players that that's, that's of a Latino descent. But now they're saying they can't work in the front office. Why? Because they can't communicate. But 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 um, ask uh, Alex Cora. Or uh, the manager of uh, the Boston Red Sox. How did he communicate? As Ozzie Gian, how did he communicate yeah. when, the, when the White Sox won? Okay, so this is what I'm saying. So the, the, the baseball wants wants you to believe that the demographic has changed. Okay, but it is okay on the field. But you still have with all these sports that will always exist until you get you someone of color that's actually owning one of these teams. Okay. Uh, instead of just having that figurehead, okay, or that token, you need to have someone to be able to be in there that's on the team. You're going to always have this good old boy network that's going on, and that's why you don't see what you're looking for in regards to player development and scouting and this sort of thing. So, so you know, you, you you're getting the athletes, okay, that's that's got the color, but they can't like 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 uh, Bill Parcell says, you know, if you want me to cook the meal, I should at least be able to go buy the groceries. Yep. Okay, that's not being done in this level with, with people of color. And I mean, I, I love your point about, you know, um, again, what happens is um, people look for openings and excuses for why you can't advance. And so I love your point about the perceived language barrier as if every Latinx person who's, who's been in baseball, first of all, was born outside the country, uh, you know, and not born in the United States. <laughs> growing up in the United States for years and going to high school or play college ball, even though we do have this influx of international. And in fact, those, students, those athletes who are coming internationally don't have the ability to communicate. But all those things become, like you said, barriers as if um, um, 
you still, if you do analytics, you need to communicate that in multiple languages because you're trying to be a global sport. So all those things to be, could be assets uh, that are now liabilities for people to be able to get in the front office. And I think some of the stuff you've also been hearing in the NBA, and I've heard Charles Barkley, a couple of people talking about how folks have rationalized hiring these guys who are, aren't even, you know, have any basketball background, MIT, grad, whatever it is, and it's analytics taking jobs away from potential folks as if they can't do that as, as well. So I, I think that's a lot of uh, interesting thing on the college side. You know, uh, we have Delaney, Jim Delaney going out in the big 10. We have Kevin Warren coming in to the big 10. Um, Delaney obviously has been, was, has been a, um, you know, monumental figure in college sports in terms of the business side, the big 10 network. I think they, uh, each team this past year just got what $52 million each campus uh, as, as part of the Big Ten deal, network deal. Uh, when he did it, um, he was trying to initially negotiate with ESPN. ESPN didn't believe in the concept. Uh, he was able to then uh, get with Fox. Uh, then, they, you know, he's retiring, you know, at a time when the game is changing. Um, and so you get Kevin Warren, who is you know, a commissioner of a major, probably the major uh, 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 conference in the country when it comes to the business model of college sports. Um, um, people can argue in other ways about success and whatever, but uh, the Big Ten is definitely one leading. But we're still not seeing the nece necessary leadership in ADs. I think we're up to about 17 right now, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood of ADs. But when you look at in the, in the, um, uh, the revenue-generating sports, uh, over 50% in basketball and football are, are, are black athletes. Uh, but we don't have any of that distribution in um, – Particularly in at ADs, where you have uh, most of your 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 pathway to ADs through the business side. Of course, yep. when we talk about student athletes. You you've got to come with a business background, business side, because of the yep. uh, model of how athletics works. Because this is a breeding ground. You know, a lot of times you can start in college sports and go to pro sports. Um, you can do a lot of things. I mean, this is an important breeding ground for getting some of these experiences uh, on many levels to be able to be in some of these professional spaces, particularly in um, uh, having administrative experience. And if you can't get it here in the college space it, with the way the game is growing, you know, we see some of the reasons why we don't see it. Some of these folks even getting opportunities in the professional space. What are some of your thoughts about, and we talked about pipelines, um, what are some things that you think can happen? And, and Darnell, you're a young guy, so I want to get you in on this. You know, what are some of the things that you think um, you'd like to see, or, uh, you know, Hampton's talking about the pipeline. Uh, we got the Rooney Rule. You know, what are some of the things that you would like to see done to 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 address some of these issues? Well, it's hard. It's hard to know what you can do to necessarily get more inclusion, as far as uh, on an administrative level, um, as far as um, being a general manager or um, coaches and front office members in um, these different leagues. But um, the Rooney Rule is definitely a start. Um, at least having people, uh, uh, at least having representation that um, can be hired and given opportunities to be hired and be seen. So that's one thing I think um, can be done, which has been instilled in the NFL, but it can, and that can be in the MLB as well, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, one of the things that's so difficult about sports is that they don't follow this normal hiring process. You know, they even on the college level, they will name like you know Graciano, Graciano uh, you know, uh, 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 got named at, at Rutgers, and 
you know, there wasn't probably a lot of vetting process going there. You know, they probably had one candidate talk to talk to him, and then next thing you know, he's 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 it. You know, you don't but look at Lake, but look at Lake at, at UW, stunned me. I didn't even know he's a brother. Yeah, the guy, I didn't know he's a brother. The, the guy that took over Coach Peterson. Yeah, I heard his name. I don't follow college him. I saw he's a brother. I'm like, this brother must be bad. Yeah, because yeah. I'm like, they didn't even have a shirt. They're like, he's our guy. Yeah, it's funny because uh, you know, Hampton sent that to me. I was like, I didn't even know either. I didn't know that was going to be that. I white dude, for sure. Yeah. I, I was like, the game must be changing when a brother get that kind of look after what they did. You know, and so it's, 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 it's. We get fired, though, too, disproportionately, though, man. Look at all Frank Watson. I mean, what happened to Tiger is a disgrace. Yeah, what are you talking about? I mean, you you going to raise $20 million in a day to get rid of a brother. That just shows our priorities so messed up, mixed up. Then you got Charlie Strong got fired. You got um. They raised twenty. Yeah, I mean they raised twenty million like a day, and people are starving. People can't. People got food insecurity, economic insecurity, housing on their campus, and they raised twenty million on their campus, and they got twenty million dollars to give a coach uh, for a buyout. It's crazy, man. Yeah, it's crazy. It just shows our misplaced priorities. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you 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 have that. See, and, and and the thing about it that really frustrates you too is, is that 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 scrutiny. You know, now that, like when you talk about Willie Taggart, that that was that was on that was, to me that was ridiculous. You know, you look at what's going on here in Detroit. Okay, uh, Jim Caldwell was nine and seven, nine and seven. They fired him. You know, they, they they actually are talking about this man coming back for another year. I mean, that kind of crap. Really. What kind of foolishness is that? You know, this is the kind of stuff that that we that we deal with. We know that we deal with the society. He's sick. He's sick now, right? And he's sick. And he's sick. He was he sick ever... when he took the damn job. Okay, so I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. I mean, he coaches like he's ill. I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying though. But this is the kind of things that when you start talking about it, you know, that's why it. it you know. The, when you when you get someone of color in these roles, they stick out like a sore thumb, and you you find yourself pulling so hard for them to succeed, no matter you know where they where they where they are. You know, you uh, I know you mentioned the brother that that's taken over the Big Ten network. I was stunned. I have to be honest with you. I was stunned to find out that was that was going to be the next commissioner of the Big Ten. Um, but I'm pulling for him. I, you know, I really I really hope he succeeds. I really hope. Like like Ward Manuel here at the University of Michigan. He got it, yeah. Every move he makes is a scrutinized, yeah. Yes. I know somebody knows him. I know somebody knows him and, and knows him real well. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what you is, but yeah, knows him real well. Everybody's on some heat, man. Yeah. He some heat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, these are some great issues, and you know, we'll be highlighting specifically the college stuff as part of our state of college sports. Uh, we're gonna try and bring in different voices into that conversation and and nibble in there, uh, you know, one of the ones that's uh, on the, uh, uh, coming up here, and Carl knows him well, we're going to get uh, Damon Williams uh, to- Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Scholar and, and, and leader yes, to, sir. to, yes, to sir. provide some insight uh, on many of these issues uh, that be coming up on our next edition of the State of College Sports. He'll have great perspective on some of these issues and ways in which uh, we can advance the work. And we got other people, as Carl know, I got other people in the in the cut who can, who can talk about these things, and we're going to, Get some people to go there, but you know, we 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 here here. We just try to kind of lube it, get it going. You know, we we bring the street level competition right now, and then they'll they'll come in with the expertise and, and drop it on. We just, we just doing it from the barbershop perspective, uh, without you know 
dropping any words and, 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 and you know any bomb here, but barbershop yep, yep. perspective. All PG, all PG. In, in, in all PG. As we gotta do here, uh we always got we can't end the show without dropping that mic. And you know, we got the we got the vet up in here. We, you know, the way we do this, because in our culture, we always gotta get a last word to the elder. And so we gotta give it to Hank to drop the mic. All right, D, thank you so much. Listen, and now as the elder, it's my job to bring y'all a little bit of history, okay? We all kind of know what's going on. I want to bring y'all a little bit of history tonight, okay? Uh, I want to bring up Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams uh, is like 83 years old, okay? For those of y'all who don't know who Billy D. Williams is, he used to be one of the suave actors back in the day, okay? He was one of those main cats that was on TV pumping Colt 45 as the dynamite taste, okay? This was Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams came out and said that he was gender fluid. He didn't know what that meant. He just felt like, you know, on this side, I feel this way. On that side, he had to go. He had to retract. He's like, hold on, hold on. I ain't gay. Ain't nothing wrong with that, but he was all bent out of shape. But you said you were gender fluid, dog. What was that all about? <laughs> but I bring him up just for one reason alone. I bring him up for that little bit of tidbit that he's still around. But Billy D. Williams, the reason why I bring him up is because, <laughs> calm down, D. You're going to be all right. All right. The reason why I bring him up is because uh, Billy D. Williams, when I was a kid, in 1971, played in a movie with uh, James Caan called Brian's Song. This movie was about Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo. Brian Piccolo was uh, a running back, only played four years in the league with the Bears, died of brain cancer. But it, it really did talk about the friendship between Brian Piccolo and Gail Sayers. But as a young man watching this, as a young boy watching this movie, what I didn't know about was how dynamic and how bad and how sweet Gail Sayers was. See, at that time, I was so young, I didn't know, you know, it ain't like now. You know, Younger can go pull up the internet. He can go pull up Gail Sayers. He can go pull up about Billy Sims. You know, players that he ain't never seen play before. You can go look them up, okay? But this was one of the first football movies that I had ever seen. And they had actual footage of Gail Sayers playing. And they had actual footage of him scoring those six touchdowns. Okay, he eventually blew out his knees, but he was one of the one of the greatest backs, one of the greatest multi backs I had ever seen. You know that 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 had, that had ever played before your Billy, before your uh, Barry Sanders, and before a lot of the players of the day. And it was the, it was the character of Gail Sayers played by Billy D. Williams that brought the character of Gail Sayers to life for me as a young man. I wasn't a Chicago Bears fan at the time. Okay. I wasn't even, I can't even call myself a football play, uh, fan at the time. But it's, it, was, it was nostalgic. And it was 48 years ago today, or 48 years ago this month, that Brian's song was, 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 was first aired, okay, as the gender-fluid Billy D. Williams played Gail Sayers. That's our show tonight. Peace out.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.